Hello and welcome back to this incredible podcast uh, series that we are making from live from the Financial Planning Association. Mini-series. Mini-series. And I want to say live, but it's kind of obviously when you're listening to this, it's not in the, in the moment, but you know we're recording it and we're having a great time. Danny, thank you for joining me again. Thanks, Fraser. And we've got a familiar face joining us, someone who is no stranger to the XY community and also the FPEA community. Welcome, Corey. Thank you, Danny. I can hear you well, but I just can't see you through these ferns. Because we are well placed be- ferns. This, we are between one fern. <laughs> we certainly are. We are between one fern. There'll be someone fern, out there that gets that joke phrase. I'm, and I'm one pretty person. sure we've got the copyright on be- between one fern. Full mm. disclosure: I'm pretty sure before we went on air, I was the first one that picked up on. I've the been dropping jokes fern. all morning. No one's got it, but thank you. We do. I've now had a win. Like thank it. you. For those that like can't it. see, we have an amazing fern, but it's only one. Uh, so we're definitely not between two ferns because that would has already taken. Yeah. Now to the matter at hand. Yeah. Corey, you are well known, but there might not be people who know your story. Before we get to your session that you were part of a panel today, which has quite a bold title, before we get to that, can you give people the highlight reel of what your business does, how you got into advice and what your business looks like today? Sure, I'll give you a very condensed version. So I got into financial planning in 2011. That was off the back of doing marketing and PR at uni, but started investing when I was about 16, had a margin loan at 17, always thought that making good choices with money was integral to living a great life. Right? So I was always keen to build independence and freedom financially early in my own life and um, decided um, to get into financial planning thinking that the role of the advisor is to help people make great choices to set goals, to work out what stresses they've got that's wholly or partially caused by their finances and really coach people, guide people and help them you know, get more out of their life and got into financial planning on that basis and um, my uh, first role in advice was an associate advisor at one of the, the big four banks and that was probably the tail end of the, the, the bad old days, you know, my fingers are doing the quotation marks there and um, you know, the advice was very different to what I anticipated it would be. The role the advisor was playing was very different to what I anticipated it would be. And from my perspective, that's a shame because I feel like um, when advice is done well and it's personalized um, and it's done without some of the traditional conflicts, um, it can be really impactful. And for the right client at the right time, it can actually be life-changing as well. So on that basis, with that intent, I wanted to start a firm, which ended up being Verse, which we started in 2015 and we kind of had a two-step goal in mind which was really take this traditional low value to a degree two-dimensional financial planning experience and make it something that is more holistic um, more purposeful more personal more valuable and try and do it without the traditional conflicts and so on and and then once we figure out how to do that bit which took a while um, then try and figure out how to scale it um, in terms of where we're up to now, we've we've kind of solved problem one to a very large degree. Like we're always trying to get better and deliver more value, but we've got a lot of things right over time there by getting a lot of things wrong. I guess if that yeah. makes sense. Well, we'll dive into that later. Yeah. I've just yeah. I've just noted that down. We'll get into what Great. went but, wrong to produce the right. Yeah. But yeah, we're kind of at this I guess bit of an inflection point where um, we've got like one client experience we build. It's largely technology enabled. It's built on the client's values, intentions, financial well-being. Um, it's pretty consistent and repeatable. We just need the right people, advisors to drive it. So, you know, we've gone from a team of five to a team of 15, 16, 17 in the last two, two and a half mm-hmm. years and still on the lookout to add more advisors to the team. We've added four female advisors so far this year and hopefully more soon. And, you know, we're 
you know, a lot of things are going in the right direction. Um, Isn't it great that you version. can sum that up in a two-minute conversation? And, and, yet, uh, and yet, we know in reality that starting a business from scratch is no easy feat and has taken several years to get to where you want to. to, to. In the first few years, I imagine, were quite hard slog. Absolutely, they were. Yeah, I, I'd never want to go back there, to be honest. Um, I was overworked. I was burnt out. Um, it puts downward pressure on your own health and well-being, your relationships, um, and your finances, all those things. And, you know, I, I, I do recommend for those that are beginning that journey and they're early in their business life, absolutely make sure you've got mentors that have walked a similar path to the one you want to walk because what they can do is point out the obvious errors that you're making in your thinking and your execution to help you sidestep some of those issues, whether it's a product to market fit or how you price or your commercial thinking or what clients you're going after or how you're marketing or whatever. Because, um, you know, it was, a, it was a rewarding but really challenging at a point's painful experience the first three to three and a half years. I yeah, think. and I think it's the same for most practices that at, uh, start out in that phase. And I think it's a nice segue um, into, into what you were speaking about today, which was, is tech the saviour? And you talked about this really arduous, grimy journey. Did technology play a part in alleviating what was quite heavy in addition to the mentorship that you've obviously played a part in that? Did, did it play a role? Can you comment on that? I can. Yeah, I can. Um, it's interesting how things unfold because some things have unfolded for us um, in ways we hadn't anticipated. And I think we've become recognized as a firm that's integrated technology really well into the client experience and operationalized the business really well on the on the back of that. Um, but some of those things were a little bit fortuitous. So we got a great head of ops about four to four and a half years ago, Daniel Donovan, who you've interviewed recently, Fraser, you know, and he come from the Apple Genius Bar, you know, so he's really helped advisors and people that, you know, are advice-minded rather than technology-minded, helped us kind of solve common consistent problems in in the financial planning experience so i think when you think about the role of technology to be what we spoke about is it's not trying to replace the human and the nuanced conversations and emotional intelligence and all those things it's taking all the simple things that happen consistently through the advice process for client and advisor and firm and trying to remove as much friction from those as possible to do them better and to do them do them faster whether it's booking meetings getting pre-meeting tasks done, file noting, capturing data, transferring data, preparing documents, getting documents signed off, all those things. So, um, you know, it's over time, it's taken a bit of a life of its own and the, and the experience is pretty well technology enabled. But, you know, a lot of these things have just kind of happened organically with an, an intent to, to improve and solve problems rather than to find technology. But they kind of converge together at the same time to solve a lot of problems. I yeah, you, you've certainly um, promoted that culture within the business of being able to solve and innovate and continually improve, uh, which has been a big part of the drive and the technology has sort of come after that. You know, you've worked out you need something and you find something for it. Um, you know, I know you've got a large technology stack. You use a lot of things, products. I'm interested around what business should, should be spending as part of their budget, budgeting towards technology, what they should be, you know, how, how deep they should be. Obviously, it takes, it requires a lot to be able to have the resources to to take the time and like you said you've got you know a lot of staff now and you, and you can you can divvy that up but even in the initial years what, what sort of investment should the businesses be making in their technology stack it's a good question i probably can't answer that definitively but i can talk perhaps more more generally to say that a lot of the 
tech that you're going to find in a tech stack isn't actually that expensive. And it's not really advice tech a lot of the time. So a lot of the things that we're actually doing through the advice process aren't, you know, they're not, they weren't born out of financial planning, like getting documents signed, capturing data, transferring data, getting surveys done, reminding people about meetings, reminding when they haven't completed a pre-meeting task. And there's lots of great apps and tools and tech out there to, to do these things. And a lot of these are like, where it's Typeform with us for online surveys or it's Calendly for online bookings or it's Loom for recording meetings or it's Zoom for doing meetings. Um, a lot of these are Quilla for client agreements. Like A lot of these cost like under 70 bucks each a month. So the cost is really minuscule relative to the ROI. So it's dependent upon the, the business and the clients and what problems they're trying to solve. But I think you can get a lot of what you need to solve a lot of consistent problems at a really low price point. I think when you think bigger picture and you're thinking about like, what is our CRM? What is that? Do we have a client portal? And how are those things integrating? That's another conversation. There's much higher costs, but I think um, I think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit for advisors and firms out there. And we were having a quick chat before we jumped on air and, and you were mentioning, I, I guess, that that person who really enjoys that space and exploring what might work and what might resolve that friction point that's why that person like if someone's going to make an investment to your first question Fraser is it's probably the person who seeks out the solution to that little friction point that happens repeatedly through the business and that's just so native for them rather than like someone who's trying to do advice do all the things and then go and find some sort of tool to solve a problem like it's it is two distinct roles we're finding How, what would your comment around I that absolutely be? concur and i think this is one of the things that holds a lot of businesses back from better integrating technology you know i kind of feel it's kind of like the brain like they say we use like five percent of the brain or something less advice firms would use way less than five percent of the available tools and technology to help solve their problems and to your point Danny I think it, they need to be thinking more so about who rather than how mm. like their advisors they're, and, but they're doing power planning and implementation and trying to market and run seminars and trying to be compliant and all of these things and then at the same time they're going oh I've got to use technology I know I've got to do it better but I'm not sure where to start and what to use and you know and, and you mentioned about the selection of the, sec- the technology that's just that's one component but once you actually select it you've got to launch it you've got to Integrate it. You're going to have te- you got to train people. You're going to have teething issues. You got to problemshoot. So, I don't. I don't think you can build a really efficient advice business that's at the same time is is growing without having someone in your business that is not an advice person. They're more of a technologist, and they own that. And you're not saying to them, "Go and find me tech." They're collaborating as part of a conversation with a broader team to go, what problems are we facing? What's slowing us down? And how do we solve those problems? And when it comes to the how do we solve those, technology quite often is part part of the solution. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a, that's the right order in putting things because a lot of the time we see shiny things go, that's a cool tool. I wonder how I could use that in my process versus I've got a problem with my process and now I need to find the tool. Exactly right. Yeah. Mm. We could talk about this for a very long time, but... I, you know, we could go deep. I, I, I love this topic. <laughs> there was topic. a look at me to say, like, can we keep going? And can, I'm like, we, can, we keep, can we keep going? Tell, tell us a little bit about the future. What does it hold for you and your practice and where you think this is all going with, um, with the technology stack that you're using and, 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 and in the future, what do you think is going to happen? 
Uh, good question. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in the future because normally you don't have I, a crystal ball. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's an app for that. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> uh, in ter- I guess in terms of where we're headed, as far as as far as I can see, um, is you know, we've got this client experience that's now well organised um, and it's quite repeatable and it's built again on those values, intentions, financial well-being of the clients. And you know, we're trying to expand our reach to help more clients. Now, I mentioned at the top of the chat, you know, that two-step kind of goal slash vision when we started Verse, you know, and we're kind of on to phase two, which is trying to scale it. You know, so we're looking for advisors and good people across Melbourne, Sydney, and, and Brisbane. And when we hire them, we've got co-working spaces to put them in. They can work remotely as well. And we give them the tools, train them in the Verse client experience. Um, and, uh, you know, we turn more of the marketing spend on. We're lucky to get, you know, a lot of leads and inquiries, which we can kind of dial up so you know the short term plan is to, to bring on more great advisors get the people around them to support them in giving great client experiences and you know beyond beyond that you know more more broadly um, you know I think that you know advice is um, is moving into a really good space where we're going to be we're going to begin thinking about building businesses that are client experience led rather than compliance led and I think mm-hmm. Michelle Levy's proposals are going to um, hopefully really kind of catapult us in that direction yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Now, when we talk about scale, I've got a couple of quick questions on scale. Um, scaling with more people, but also how are we scaling with getting more clients or more advisors looking after more clients to, and adding that as a scale? Good question. Yeah, there's a few elements to it. So, I mean, firstly, to bring the advisors on, we've got to have the leads and the new clients for them. So, we scale our marketing. A lot of our marketing is digital marketing. We've worked with a digital marketing agency for two and a half years now. Um, a lot of that's run through Google Ads. So we've got a high predictability around what we can spend based on search volumes in these in these cities relative to what kind of volume of leads we'll get and what quality of leads we'll get. So that's relatively predictable at this point. And we know we've got a lot of up a lot of upside there. But then to, to the next part is well when we've got the advisor and we're bringing them on, how do we get them through things more efficiently? Um, so they can serve more clients. Um, I probably owe you a thank you, actually, Fraser, because we launched video, our own version of video SOAs six weeks ago, inspired by you and Ben and the work you guys have done with the FPA. And over the course of the last six weeks, we have almost got rid of power planning. You know, the average SOA has gone from being eight and a half hours to being a two to two and a half hour document. It's not even a statement of advice. It's called a summary of advice. It's 20 pages, five minutes to consume, seven of the 20 pages of pictures um, it's just the good stuff none of the jargon um, we don't do file notes every meeting's recorded in person or on zoom um, very little ROAs um, and the, the statement of advice now is a digital folder so I think Dropbox but call statement of advice and in there is a recording a summary of advice PDS's meeting slides and um, you know it's the things that are value adding that the client would want that are relevant and um We've made really significant inroads recently, and yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm That's here, a lot I'm, of I'm hours saved. To, yes, I'm here to say thank you, Fraser. Yeah. Thank you very much. Oh, I, owe wow. you, I owe you a fireball later on. <laughs> here, that's, that's the drink of the Congress, Danny tells me. <laughs> it's a drink we're trying to avoid tonight, but yes, it's suddenly becoming drink of Congress. Thank you very much. It's, it's amazing to see something that has been a, pro, a pet project or a passion project of mine take off and then help firms in such a great, great way. Uh, we probably should finish it there. Thank you so much for coming and chatting with us on the on the podcast. It's been amazing. Uh, yeah, lots hope- of value as per usual, Corey. Thank you for dropping by. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Fraser. Great to be here. Mm-hmm.